God bless you, and welcome back to Yesterday Ended. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? This quote, this question, appears over a billion times in a Google search. Yeah, that's a billion with a B. The quote comes from a cartoon from December 1940 entitled, Of Fox and Hounds. It is spoken by a dog named Willoughby, asking his supposed friend George, who's actually a fox in dog's clothing, which way did the fox go? Someone was being fooled. So my question to you today is, which way do you go? And even closer to home, you might want to ask yourself from time to time, which way am I going? In today's episode, we will explore the direction in which we have gone and perhaps may have been fooled. Give a listen. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26, we are commanded to ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Ponder the path of thy feet. God wants us to think about where we are and where we're going. He has given us a path to walk, and he wants us to recognize when we depart from it. Ponder the path of thy feet. In the Orient, the feet are a reference to one's thoughts. Your thoughts carry you where you go. If you have enough thoughts, enough steps in one direction, that makes a path. So pay attention to what you are thinking. So in today's episode, we will consider the path. The enslaved embrace their past as their path. The free refute the path of their past. That old path has passed, and a new way has emerged. That old path is a past that Christ's blood purges. That my past has passed, I sing no longer dirges. That old path was steps of lies, that my heart it no longer scourges. The old path of my past with me no longer converges, so I am free. One thing about a path is that if you find yourself in the wrong place, usually you can turn around and trace that same path back to where you diverge from the right way. What was it that diverted me? What caused me to go the wrong way? Many years ago, I was going to a Thanksgiving celebration in the mountains in California. I was with a new friend and in her brand new car, and we hit it off and chatted and chatted and chatted right past a number of turns. took us a while to figure it out, but we were able to get back on the right path eventually. No great sin or evil caused us to lose our way. Just simple distraction of talking too much and not paying attention. So let's pay attention to what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We're told to be circumspect. We're told to walk with precision. That's the literal meaning of this word, circumspectly. Have you ever tried to cross a stream by stepping on the rocks coming up out of the water? You have to take great care where you put your feet. You're not looking at the scenery as you cross the stream. You are looking at your feet. You look at each step. Is that rock stable? Is it big enough for my foot? Is it dry enough not to slip off? 
Do I step on the rock to the right or to the left? Which step will move me to the other side safely? My question now is, do we give that much care to our walk with God? I hate stumbling, and I swear each time I stub my toe on a piece of furniture, it was the furniture's fault. It jumped out and tripped me. There are things we know that cause us to fall or stumble. The question is, what are we doing to prevent that? Are we being circumspect? What thoughts do we allow within our hearts? As one of my friends puts it, he doesn't allow things to rent space in his head. So what kind of things are bouncing around in your brain? This brings us to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Here the prophet speaks to the children of Israel and calls them back to God. They had turned away from the Lord. He tells them to search and try or diligently test their ways. It is a very easy thing to get off track. It only takes one degree off course to eventually put us in a bad way. It's easy enough to get just distracted. The question, therefore, is, are we regularly examining our walk? We can become complacent and not even realize it. I not only work with words, I also work with woods. I'm a wood sculptor. I have a bandsaw in my shop that allows me to cut straight lines and also curves. If the blade is not sharp or if the tension on it is loose, the blade can wander off course. I have to watch very closely and make adjustments almost constantly at times. So how sharp are we? And how firm of a grip do we have on the thoughts of our hearts? Our times of worship and prayer should be intimate and loving. We should approach them with confidence and boldness because the blood of Jesus has fully washed us and given us the right to come into God's presence. The beauty and greatness of the work of Jesus is that he has removed all condemnation and shame from us by his sacrifice. We are not to live in judgment, but testing ourselves and being circumspect and being humble before our God will bring a greater fruitfulness to the relationship and to our lives. Consider what it says in Psalm 119, verse 59. I thought on my ways and turn my feet unto thy testimonies. Are we paying attention to our ways? Again, complacency can creep in very easily. I remember one morning while I was worshiping, I had a habit of sitting in my big office chair and then kicking my feet up on my bed in a very relaxed posture. That was my normal posture for worship. Until one morning the Lord spoke to me and asked me a very simple question. What about that reverence thing? I thought on my ways at that moment and dropped to my knees. The literal meaning of worship is to bow down. As you study the word in Hebrew, it's translated in a variety of ways. One can bow their head or bow their body. When you consider its overall meaning, it is a surrender towards something or someone. I had to think on my ways concerning my surrender to my Heavenly Father. I am intimate with Abba, and I can cozy up into his arms and be at peace. At that moment, the Lord gave me a slight adjustment to my path. It wasn't a moment of condemnation, but an invitation to come closer. 
So what is the difference between being reverent and being casual? Are they exclusive of each other? So many people these days spend time together, but they're staring at their phones. I ask these questions to help us think on our ways and, if need be, turn our feet back to God. How's our relationship? I want to stir up your mind and heart so you have a closer walk with the Father and His Son. Consider these subtle differences. Some people dress up very nicely to go to church while others are in shorts and flip-flops. Does one reverence the Lord more than another? And sometimes there are cultural issues at play within this question of attire. The issue here is, where are their hearts? I can worship leaning back in my big office chair with my feet kicked up on the bed as long as my heart is properly engaged with Abba. But at the moment the Father asked me the question about reverence, I had to recognize I had not pursued an attitude of reverence toward him that he was worthy of. And yes, I am splitting hairs here. I'm endeavoring to diligently test our walks with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 9, there is an analogy of our walk using training for what we would call the Olympic Games. Are you worthy to be called an Olympian? 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Many years ago in college, in the phys ed class I was in, they gave us a 12-minute test to begin with. The test is real simple. How far can you run in 12 minutes? This gives the instructors an idea of your physical stamina and capacity. What kind of 12-minute test can we develop for ourselves in our walk with God? What is our spiritual stamina and capacity? In verse 25, it says that everyone that strives for the mastery, or literally contends in the games, must be temperate in all things. The word temperate means to be in self-control. Are you in control of your diet? I must confess a weakness to chocolate ice cream and that when it is in the house, the tub may be visited more than once in a day. Are you in control of what you listen to? Are you in control of how much TV you watch? Are you in control of your relationships? Do you run uncertainly or do you have a goal? Are you landing punches on your enemy or just shadowboxing? Are you bringing your body into subjection? The end result of running that you may obtain is that you are not disqualified from the race. How are you running? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Many years ago, I trained for a 5K run. One does not run five kilometers with a sprint-like pace. You must pace yourself, run with patience. Life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. 
Another key in this scripture is that we are to lay aside every weight. One way I do this is to not always have chocolate ice cream in the house. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. There are sins that cling to us or entangle us or hinder our progress. We are to lay it aside or put it off. This is the same word used in Ephesians when it says that we are to put off the old man. When you consider the depth of training that Olympians must go through, it is staggering. They must consider their diet, their amount of sleep, the hours of training per day. This exhortation in 1 Corinthians and in Hebrews puts us on par with those that seek gold medals. To contend in the games, we must run so that we may obtain. But we are not just looking for a simple laurel wreath in this day. We are striving for eternal rewards. Consider 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? Now we are going from being circumspect to being introspect. They say you can never solve a problem until you recognize and admit there is a problem. Recently, I have begun to clean out a closet in my spare room. I had to come to recognize unneeded clutter in the room. It is amazing how much junk can accumulate in just a couple of years. Spring cleaning physically and mentally is a very good thing. This is the putting off every weight. Here in 2 Corinthians 13, this proving of yourself is the way in which metal is tested for pureness. How pure are you? How mixed up are you? You will only know if you put yourself to a test. That testing requires that you ask questions of yourself, and it also requires time chatting with God for him to reveal the dead weight you might be carrying. This verse clearly tells us to examine ourselves or test ourselves, whether we be in the faith. So this is not a bad thing, but this is again a type of spring cleaning. As it says in Hebrews, we need to get rid of the weight and the sin that entangles us. So how are you doing with fear? How are you doing with apathy? How are you doing with anger? How are you doing with despair? How are you doing with hope? How are you doing with your relationships? How are you doing with what comes out of your mouth? How are you doing when no one is around? How are you doing with love, joy, peace, and the rest of the fruit of the Spirit? These are just a few questions that we need to ask ourselves so that we can travel light and travel far and move forward in life. This is not an issue to condemn us, but to free us so that we can be victorious in every situation. Consider what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. God chastens, or literally trains, those he loves. If you want to walk in the way of life, you need reproof sometimes. The Father works within you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. As you consider the things I have brought up today, the Father will help you to grow. 
Again, this episode is not designed to condemn or bring us down, but for us to take an honest look at ourselves with God's help so that we can move forward. The path we walk is straight and narrow, but as 2 Corinthians reminded us, Jesus Christ is within us. Do your best to let him shine through you. So what is your path? Are you separated from the ill of your past? Do you remember and claim that the old has gone, has passed, and the new has come? I've given you much to think about and consider, but above all things, remember that you are beloved, that you are accepted, that you are righteous, that you are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. You are victorious. You are more than a conqueror. A few years ago, I was introduced to a skit performed by the skit guys entitled God's Chisel. It's available on YouTube. Many times when I watch it, I cry. It gives a very wonderful and sometimes humorous image to the process I have spoken of today. Enjoy. 